podcasting from Northwest Pennsylvania. You're listening to the Gen Extra Podcast, a show about Generation X, movies, technology, weird news, and anything else they feel like. Join them every Monday morning. Now, here's your hosts, Dave and Joe. All right, welcome back. Yes, indeed. Indeed, yes. Uh, yeah, welcome back to the show. If you're uh, if you're new, thanks for joining us. If you're a longtime listener, thanks for tuning back in. So yeah, yeah if you uh, if you missed last episode by chance, check it out. We had Amanda on, and it was a fantastic show. Had a lot of fun, and I uh, can't wait to get her back on again. Actually, yeah, I I agree. I really had a good time with that show. And so if you haven't, I think it's uh, what. What number is this? I don't know what number this is, but whatever this is, number this is, this is twenty. Go to season the one, five, episode twenty-four. So it would have been season five, episode twenty-three. Go back to twenty-three and check it out. It was a great show. Yeah, she was a lot of fun. Yes. So anyway, let's uh, let's move on with uh, the new episode. So we have a couple things to talk about here. Yeah. Uh, first of all, happy Easter, everybody. It is now Monday after Easter. We're not recording this on Easter, but uh, it has it will have already passed by the time this comes out. No, in fact, we're recording this on April 7th of yes. 2023, which is important for the second half of the show, which we'll get into. Yes, we will. And why is it important? Are we doing something different? We're doing, well, we're doing something a little <laughs> bit different. You know how you know how our opening has all of these things that we talk about? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the movies, technology, and anything else they feel like. Is well, this the anything is, else they feel like part? Yes, today <laughs> is definitely the anything else they feel like. I think this will be a fun uh Interesting, fun, interesting, well, and um, tell tell our listeners what's well, today. Tell. Yeah, let's, today, let's we're going to talk a little bit about a section of World War II, an important piece of World War II, the sinking of the Japanese battleship the Yamato. Yes, which we will get into. Yes. Yeah, I did a, a brief, a brief skim through like Wikipedia and and YouTube as well. Yeah. Uh, I, so I don't know much at all, actually. So um, I'm interested to see and hear all the details. But well, uh, we're all going to learn something together today. I really enjoy history. You know, like when I was in in high school, I could not stand history class. Yeah, history was tough in high school. I, I, absolutely, I just didn't care. Like talking about all kinds of stuff that I'm like, for some reason, my my uh, my youthful teenage brain just didn't didn't care. But as I've gotten older. I find yeah. history so fascinating. So I love hearing about this kind of stuff. I'm excited to talk about it. But before we get into that, uh, we actually have a couple media recommendations. Actually, mine aren't even... I mean, I guess I have one recommendation. Yeah. I, I would say today is more of a maybe a blurb on some media pieces. Maybe maybe not even so much a recommend. One might even be an e-recommendation. Oh, d-recommendation, yeah. <laughs> or unrecommendation. Yeah, and the other one I have is just a rumor about a show. So yeah, I guess uh, it's not really a... a you know, perfect uh, media recommendation. But anyway, sure. so the reason that I wanted to bring up one of these is because it's like, it's such a good show, but it's like five years old now. And it's called Impulse. You can find it on YouTube, but only if you are a YouTube premium subscriber. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't have premium because it's like, I don't know, it's like $15 a month or whatever it is. And really what you're paying for is the ability to not have ads in your YouTube videos. Right, right. Now, is, I, premium, is premium a step up over, is there some middle subscription in between premium and regular? I have no or idea. Or is it just is it just premium? Not a clue. But okay. I hate ads with a passion, so I subscribe to it to eliminate them. Like I said, a lot of people don't have 
they don't have the premium service because like whatever i just want to watch the 15 20 second ad right is. right uh, but the one of the bonuses kind of like like amazon prime you know the the big catch at first with that was oh you get free two-day shipping by the way we have you know original shows and movies here too that you can mm -hmm. watch well youtube really really sucks at advertising and producing shows at all but they I, do have i, I actually forgot kind of yeah, they, they were YouTube doing originals. premium shows. They do, yeah. They have a handful of maybe I'd say a dozen different shows on there that they've made. Yeah. Over the past, you know, a few years. They don't push them, they don't market them. They they just they're just there. They but, just exist. Yeah. And they're buried. Like they're hard to find. So if you happen to have, like I said, the premium service, look up the show called Impulse. Impulse, okay. There's only two seasons. They didn't they didn't renew it after the second season, but I'm rewatching it again because I really enjoyed it. And it's just to kind of sum it up, I'm not going to give anything away if you decide to watch it, but it's, it's about a girl in high school, probably like uh, 17 or so. And she, she discovers that she has the ability to teleport. She's a, she's like a transporter, a teleporter. Okay. And it is so fascinating. It's so interesting. Like the storylines are incredible. It's such a good show. I wish so badly that some other network like Netflix would have picked this up and kept going with it. But uh, yeah, so there you go. That, that's my that's my first uh, impulse, my first. and it's available on YouTube Premium. Yes. So even if you okay. want to binge it for you know a month and then get rid of Premium, you know at least check it out. There you go. What's yours? Well, like I said, um, this is more of a media comment, whatever, whatever we want to call it. So oh, the possible think, D recommendation. Yeah. So okay. a few a few months back, I think I had we had mentioned or talked about that Amazon was doing a was doing a Lord of the Rings, essentially a prequel. To, oh, yeah. What do they call that? They called it um, the Rings of Power. Oh, that's it. I think. Yeah. It was they, called it, the Rings of Power. But instead of doing a instead of doing a movie, you know, or 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 a couple like two hour spots or a couple one hour spots, they made an entire, you know, a series, right? Just like everything is nowadays, right? Like nothing can just be a two hour movie anymore. It has to be a 10 show series on some streaming service, right? Yeah, That's 10 shows, seems... 10 hours, which I do enjoy. Like I love, yeah. I love the ability to really, really tell the story in those, you know, 10 episodes. Oh yeah. It can, it can be advantageous when done correctly. Yeah. Yeah. When you, you also see that, you know, when, when someone puts out a two hour movie, it could have been more beneficial had they made it into a series because mm -hmm. they're trying to sum up a storyline so fast that they're like, just like missing details. You're like, why, why are they yeah, here? Anymore? Like, why did they go here? <laughs> yeah, you get you get like three hours tops, right? Yeah. Unless unless you do the um, you know, unless you do the unthinkable and like push four hours, right? You've got to get everything done. Yeah, but yeah. So what's the uh, what's the verdict you're hearing? What's the opinions well, that people are giving the show? Let's paint the let's paint the picture here real quick. This mm -hmm. is Amazon's Rings of Power, uh, Lord of the Rings prequel, which I think is supposed to be like a couple. Of, thousand or a couple hundred i forget how far before the uh, original trilogy it's supposed to be but it was the most expensive television series ever produced oh really like yeah it was whether whether it was payment of the actors or the special effects whatever amazon dumped a lot of money in it and okay. apparently so they had high hopes apparently for it. <laughs> yeah it, i think the the rumor on the street right mm -hmm. is that it cost it cost amazon over a billion dollars wow to produce the first season billion dollars yeah because some of that is the licensing some of that's the you know, right the special effects paying the actors all the cleanup all the tech work right you know it's 
it it was expensive to say the least. How do you even get your money back out of that? Being being an Amazon Prime, you know, show. I think what you have to look at is you have to look at long-term value of subscriptions, right? Yeah, I guess, like, yeah. You have to hope that enough people pay for Amazon Prime over a long enough period of time or Amazon Prime Video or whatever that it pays itself off, right? But this is and this is where we get to the problem. So this was, it had like, if I remember correctly, uh, the Rings of Power series started off really strong. I don't have any exact numbers here, but I think they had, they there had was, like millions. It was quite the buzz, I remember. Yes. Yeah, people were, a lot of people were talking about it. But you're yeah, right. It, no one kept talking about it. <laughs> and, and that's, right, and that's where we get to the problem. A mm. report that came out reports that, at least this is like one of those aggregate, like third-party you know, like data services that like collects data from like industry streamers and everything mm -hmm. or and industry services. They say, at least they claim that only 37% of the viewers who started completed oh, wow. the entirety of, yeah, that's a, for the most expensive TV show ever made or TV, television series ever made. That's a drop off. You really don't want to see because drop off percentage is the leading is the leading metric when it comes to canceling these things. Yeah, usually you want to see like, uh, you know, it started out, you know, at this number and it grew, you know, 400%. Right. You know, or or, or just sustained, like it just kept the same yeah. amount, you know. But yeah, dude, to, to, to lose like, you know, 65, 70%, whatever it is, of your yeah. viewers over one series, that's, oh, not, yeah, that's right. not good. And that's in like prime time TV watching time, like in the winter. Yeah, when there was nothing else to, well, at least winter in a good portion of the globe where there's not a whole lot to do. Yeah, it's like, you came like chalk up like, oh, well, it's summertime and people aren't watching shows. Like, oh no, everyone's on their couch right now and they're not watching this anymore. <laughs> like they've no. given up. I mean, Netflix has axed shows for doing better than this. Oh, I believe Net it. Netflix has axed shows that had 50% drop off. Yeah, they're, and the uh, dude, that drives me nuts actually. Because yeah, I mean, there's some I, good shows that got axed. I get it. Like it, it's it's a numbers game. They got to make money, and there there's I think everybody has a show that that they love that got canceled. Like one for me was it was called Friends from College. It had uh, uh, Fred Savage in it. Uh, Michael mm -hmm. Michael uh, Keegan Michael Key. I think it, yeah, he was in it. But dude, it was so so good. And then they axed it. It was done. And then they're like, nope. Oh, I'm yeah, so they upset. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. Now, I my opinion on this show is I've I've watched a lot of reviews. I haven't I didn't okay, so full disclosure, I never actually sat down and watched an entire episode, but I watched a lot of critics of various types and backgrounds and everything review it. And they said the biggest problem by far was just the writing. They said that the it's not the people, it's not the setting, it's not the sets. They just said that the writing is I don't know if I don't know that, if bad is the right term, but the writing is very un unappealing. It's not engaging. You don't feel like you're connecting with the characters. Like it feels the way they described it is that it feels very wooden, essentially. This happened on another show we talked about, and I can't remember what it was. It might have been a movie, but we we've mentioned this before that 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 tends to be like a problem to yeah. where there's not too many movies or or series out there that are that, that are so like they're the base of the show needs to have special effects and, and all these sure. yep. uh, props and grandiose, you know, you know, CGI locations, and everything. And, and, and the dialogue, the script tends to take a back door to all that or, or a back, a back seat. And, uh, 
Yeah. It, yeah. It, it happens quite often. There's only a few movies out there, a few few shows that can pull off both. Mm-hmm. Like Avatar. Like that's a fine example they, of having both of those. Getting well done. both, yep. Yeah. But no, that sucks for them. Sorry the yeah. sorry to hear that they're Lords of the Ring, what it was called, Lord, Rings of well, Power. It's, right. It's the Lord of the Lord. I know. Now I'm twisted up my words. The Rings of Power television series, which is a prequel to the Lord of the Rings movies. And Amazon is, but Amazon is doubling down. Amazon thinks they can fix the problems. And they are, I believe, they have already bankrolled a season two. No kidding. Yeah, so we'll see if uh, Amazon ends up burning up another billion dollars here. Wow. I don't want it to fail. Like, I don't want it to fail. But based on the reviews that I've I've watched, they need significant changes. I'll just, I'll leave it like that. I would say that their marketing could use a bump too, because honestly, I haven't seen much about it. Like, it, it just showed up on like my Amazon Prime one day. Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah I'm right like- on the top, right? Yeah, like I haven't seen anything anywhere else. Like, no, there's no like social media marketing. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe they should put a little money there, get people interested. Mm-hmm. People don't probably even know it exists. So, I don't know. I'm sure all the Lord of the Rings fans, but that, sure, they they knew they, they knew, knew, but that could be the problem too. Is they knew they started watching it and didn't finish it. So that that probably says something. Well, yeah, especially if you lose the fans who are like who are into the lore. And the and the setting of Lord of the Rings, yeah. if they couldn't even finish it, yeah, they might be making a mistake here. I guess we'll I guess we'll find out. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, yeah, we'll have to revisit this when the second season either survives or dies. Yeah, when all of our Prime memberships start going uh, up in up. price, yeah, <laughs> so they can make up for all their losses. <laughs> the bankroll, the billions they spent on this series that nobody watched. Yep, Ugh. yep. yep. So, all right, well, I got one more quick one. And I said, this is just, uh, this is floating through the rumor mill. This is a uh, possible Harry Potter series. Oh, rumor be mill. Out. Yes. So this is, not a, this is not a factoid yet. This is still the rumor mill. No, I guess they're in talks. So they're, they're okay. chit-chatting about it, trying to figure out if this is going to happen. But I think they're trying to get J.K. Rowling on board to help like produce it, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, okay, but I don't know where it's set as far as I don't know if there's retelling the, the the movies in series form, or if this is like post Harry Potter, pre Harry Potter. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. All I know is that, that something's happening, and I guess we'll find out. But for any Harry yeah. Potter fans out there, like uh, myself, I would be really excited to watch this, and hopefully they don't hopefully they don't pull a, a, a Rings of Power on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. I no matter what it is. I just, I, I think we talked about this before. I'm always specifically cautious of thing, anything called a prequel. I Prequels know. just, and, and surprisingly, I liked oh, uh, House of the go. Dragon. Here we go. Yep. Right? <laughs> I liked House of the Dragon, but it's one of the only prequel type series, series, mm, series, 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 uh. series that I've, that I've actually really enjoyed. Prequels tend to bother me. Like whether it's the setting or the writing or the fact that I already know where everything's going, right? So I don't really usually attach myself to prequels very well. Mm. Um, so I hope whatever this Harry Potter thing is, I hope it's not a prequel. I hope not too. I don't know. I mean, it could be interesting. <laughs> watch it anyway. I'll watch it anyways. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm also waiting for, uh, I, I still need to watch Cocaine Bear. Uh, that's out for rent now too. And the uh, uh, Winnie the Pooh movie, I'm very impatiently waiting for that to come out to rent. 
the the violent one. Yeah. The adult one. I hear it's just absolutely terrible and I can't wait to see it. <laughs> oh, it had to have to be. <laughs> it's right? Be so I mean, bad. it has to be. Yep. Yeah. So I, as soon as I get the chance to watch that, I will report back immediately and just uh, let everybody know. Okay. Well, so, I, I, I wait your report. Yes. I mean, everybody else is probably also going to be impatiently waiting for me to come back. Yes, for they're that like, one. they're like, I, I hope he comes back soon. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to the next bit here, Joe. We have, uh, we have a little bit of weird news to talk about today. We do. We do. We have uh, like four stories. So we're going to jump into those. And then after that, we'll get into our, our history lesson of the day. So here we go. Yes. From all across the world, there are stories to be told. The strange, the bizarre, funny, freaky, the abnormal, and extraordinary. Grab your beer or pour some booze. It's time for the weird news. Oh, All right. yeah. Mm. Every time. So good. I get pumped up when I hear that. I do. I just want to break something. <laughs> I don't know how to do that, but I, I feel like I'm going to disappoint <laughs> Everybody listening. I know. After that, the hyped up intro. Yeah, like, like oh, and then we, we come go. out with like, like dog carries bone. Yeah. Ooh, he dropped it. <laughs> All right. So I have a, I have a story. This isn't even. Oh wait, where's this base of? I don't even know what it says. It, but it, uh, yeah, it doesn't even say. Stupid. All right. Anyway. Oh, it does. Jesus. Uh, all right. The the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish. Uh, they are hiring. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Yeah. They're hiring professional bear huggers, Joe. Oh, I'm trying to wait. I okay, I didn't know you could actually put those words together. Professional and bear and huggers. Yes. So a friend of mine, our neighbor, uh, Jessa, she sent me this article because she she thought it'd be perfect for our weird news. So she gets a shout okay. out for sending me this one. Yes. Yes. Thank you for this one. Appreciate it. Uh so uh here it says, uh, yes, you read that right. Candidates quote, must have the ability to hike into strenuous conditions, have the courage to crawl into a bear den, and have the trust in your coworker to keep you safe during the process. The agency's hiring post for a wildlife conservation officer reads, not all law enforcement fields work in this glamorous, oh, oh, is this glamorous, but okay. uh, we would love for you to join the team, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so... What they have to do, they have to get in the den, and I'm assuming not. You can't just go and hug the bear. Where's the rest of this article? Yeah, I mean, is that what they're doing? Do they just kind of like they just kind of like go in there and cozy up to the bear and give him a hug. Uh, so somebody wrote uh, the article didn't say why they're hugging the bears. Yeah, so people are confused too. I don't know what the job is. What do you do? So wait, it doesn't actually describe what the entire point is. It just says they need bear huggers. Yeah. Maybe that's actually what you're doing. Do you crawl into the den and get I mean, me? Come on. There's right? no way. This has this is on it's on AOL.com. It's not on like the onion. I, I mean, NPR has an article on this uh, as recently as March. Does does that it, one say what they actually do? Why they're doing it? Hugging a bear, mm -hmm. which sounds dangerous, is an actual job in New Mexico. But what are they are they really hugging it? Like they okay, so, like they tap them on the shoulder like, hey bear. Hey bear, wake up! I give okay, you a so hug, man. This is what NPR. This is what NPR says about it. So NPR says the official job title is actually conservation officer. So mm -hmm. it's a. It is like a. It is a conservation officer position, but.
but it mostly involves cuddling with the cubs. Shut up. For research. Oh my God. There's no way. There's no way I would ever do that. I'm assuming the mom is not in there. It's maybe, maybe what they do is they, maybe they tranquilize her, the, any adult bears that are around and then the conservation officer goes in. What the hell is the point? What are they, what are they hoping to get from this? Uh, they, they want to study the cubs because they need to know more about them. Such as? I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, what, I don't know. Right. I don't get it. What do we, wait, what do we still need to know about bear cubs, right? Yeah. Why put yourself at such risk to snug up and take a nap with some bears? Uh, I, I get, right, like you said, though, it's got to be a, some type of controlled environment, right? They probably, they probably have the elder bears controlled in some way. They have to, right? There's, there's, I don't think they could, I don't think they could send a conservation officer into a bear den and just be like, good luck. It says, trust your coworkers to keep you safe. Yeah, right. I mean, so yes, <laughs> I would say that in that case, then yes, they probably are trusting the external conservation officers, the people around the cave or whatever it is, to either trank or control the adult bears. Well, that just sounds crazy. I would never do that. <laughs> never. No, what, okay, so what, what would somebody have to pay you to do it? Oh, my God. Like just a, like a... Blanket salary. salary. Pick, a, pick a salary. Yeah. Oh, dude, it has to be so so far into the three digits or triple digits, like uh, triple, like six digits. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Three three digits. I'm thinking <laughs> it has to be like it'd nine nine hundred dollars a year. <laughs> no, like it would have to be like, dude. I'm talking like that is a terrible, frightening kind of job. Like you'd have to be paid upwards of like at least like a quarter million a year. To be a bear hugger. Try yeah, to be realistic. I mean, I, I'm going to say $10 million. Yeah, right, right, right. What would you do for a million dollars? Yeah, I know. Yeah, that seems real risky. Okay, okay. I, I get that. I get that. That seems that seems reasonable. Although, I don't know. I mean, how much do, how much do like, you know, physicians and, you know, like how much do they make? It's such a wide range. Yeah, when say, you talk about like that, that profession, it can be anywhere from six figures to, to, to you know, uh, seven. You know what I mean? I'll bet you this job all does not pay well. Uh, it can't because it's a, it's a conservation. It's a state job. I'm saying it can't pay that well. So here's the reason is because the job is very dangerous. So any person that is even remotely sane or yeah. cares about their own well-being, they're not going to do this. So the, the, the candidates that are going to do this are going to be somewhat crazy and probably in need of money. So well, it will be enough I, to get people intrigued. Okay. But, okay. But not enough to get, to get sane people to jump on board, but more than enough to get crazy people on board. Do you know what I mean? Well, I'd also say though, too, maybe on the other end of that spectrum is just the people that are really into like the aspect of whatever you want to call it, nature or whatever, right? Yeah. Or, or of the animal kingdom. Because like, if you ever watch any of like these nature shows or animal shows, the conservation officers and the scientists and the people that study this stuff, they're really into it. They are. they are. You know, like they are like, that is their life. So of course, like you were saying, you've got to find that rare person who really wants to hang out with bear cubs. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know, man. It just seems too, it seems too dangerous. But anyway, we can keep talking about this particular story all day. Let's sure. move on to your next story. All right. We got to keep so, this moving. I've got another classic lined up for today. Where's it from? I've got, well, 
It's from our <laughs> favorite state yes. in the union, Florida. We need a Florida soundbite. <laughs> we do need a Florida, but what would a Florida soundbite be? I have no idea. I'm going to look into it, though. All right. Well, anyway, this says, officers arrest, in quotation marks, alligator walking near Tampa Bay Stadium. They arrested the alligator? They because that's what they do there. So Tampa Bay police officers were called to a commercial part of town. So this is a commercial part of town. Not, This is not like, you know, right along a lagoon or something like that. Because a nine-foot alligator was ambling down the street near Raymond James Stadium, home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh-huh. Because and, that's, and they that's what them. you do in Florida. How do you arrest an alligator? Well, I, I think you have to you have to read him his animal rights, mm -hmm. right? And hey, then, hey, alligator, you <laughs> over there, pull over. <laughs> put your arms behind your back. <laughs> or Stupid. Put put your tail down. Yeah. So okay. So they 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 basically it was just animal rescue. Like they came and took the alligator yeah. out. Yep. They got one of those one of those like yellow rope lassos or whatever that you see in like some of the animal shows. Yeah. And you know, put it around its mouth. I'm just in my and, mind. And, I'm I'm envisioning them with like a knee on his back, hand like pulling the alligator, little alligator arms behind his back, handcuffing him, yeah. like putting him in the back of the cruiser. Give yep. <laughs> their right to remain silent. Anything you can, right? Yeah. Well, so they did. Well, apparently though, they they actually did it just like you see in the, uh, you know, in in some of the nature shows. They actually got they they kind of like got his jaws clamped together, mm -hmm. and then and then one of them got on his back, literally like jumped onto his back. And, and then they, then they, another one got on them to weigh it down. And then they, then, then they basically wrap it up, right? Yeah. They basically put tape and a towel around it and they wrap it the whole way up and they transport it back to the wild. Yeah. Do you ever see where they throw like, they'll throw like a towel over the, over the gator's eyes? Yeah. And that, that, I think I even mentioned that in here that, that kind of like calms them down, confuses them or whatever. Yeah, it seems kind of weird. There's like, oh well, I guess I guess no one's there anymore. Oh, I guess I, I guess I'm in this cave now. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's weird. So we turn out the lights. Yeah, huh? Weird. <laughs> yeah, not too bright there, Mr. Alligator. No. No. So, all right. I have. Let me pull up my story. All right. Um, ba -ba -ba -da -da. here it is. Okay, this one is um, okay. It doesn't say where. Okay, actually, it doesn't even matter. All right. So this is on uh, on PC.com. PC Mag uh, says uh, title is a couple used Apple AirTag to track their luggage, only to find out that it was donated to charity. Oh, so he <laughs> left it. He left it in the luggage. Yes. So a lot of people are doing okay. this now. They're taking their AirTags and they're putting it in the, we in their suitcase. We we went to uh, on that cruise recently, and yeah. a couple of our friends had their AirTags in their bags. They were tracking. They could see where they're at. It's actually kind of cool. I think I might do that as well. So what happened was they were on Air Canada, and the, uh, during their connecting flight, they they got on board, and before they took off, they uh, they noticed that the air tag wasn't with them, wasn't under them anymore, like in the belly of the plane. Like, okay. Like hmm, maybe it just didn't sync up. Uh, so they got home and you know got off the plane. Yeah, and yeah. They were down at at, uh, at baggage claim, and they like, where's our bag? They stood there for like twenty minutes. And uh, nothing. So they pulled up their air tag, and it's still back where they took off from. Wait, so it's in the original airport? Still in the other airport. It's like, okay. oh, great. So, you know, first they're obviously thinking, like, maybe it still hasn't, like, pinged somewhere, and maybe it's here. They waited a little bit longer. Uh, and then they were watching it, and it's actually, then it started moving at the other airport. 
Okay. Like, okay, it's it's there. So they contacted the uh, the airline, and they said they would you know they would find the bag. Well, they waited, and like a couple of weeks went by, and nothing. Still no no bag, no communication. Nothing. Nothing. So they 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 uh, they checked the air tag again, and they saw that it had moved once again, and it was. So they, they, they saw the ping and they, and they pulled up on Google Maps. I'm sorry if I'm just like rambling about this. It was an interesting story. So yeah, no, they, I'm listening. Uh, they, uh, they pulled up on Google Maps and they saw that it was like a, like a warehouse or something, like a big building, not even okay. close to the airport anymore. So they, they contacted the air, airline again with no help. They then contacted the police that got involved because they thought maybe it got stolen because the, the airport wouldn't give any information. So... Oh, that's right. Because at that point, you're just seeing it move all around. So you're thinking, okay, someone, clearly somebody took it. Yeah. And now it's in this building here. So the uh, the police got involved. They found out that this building was a warehouse for a charity. So okay. poli- police contacted the uh, uh, the airline. Then then they got involved because, you know, police were in it. So uh, they ended up, they, they went to this building, found out there was like, like 1,800 lost suitcases in this storage facility. Oh, okay. So this is where they were putting everything. Yeah. So they, uh, they, the airline did go through, it took them like 24 hours of going through suitcases to find theirs. But when they finally got it back, everything was intact. Everything was still there. And the, the owner of the suitcase even noted that uh, her bottle of wine was even still there. So really? Yeah. So what, what's weird about all this is like, why couldn't the airline Tell them this is what they do with the misplaced suitcases. What? Well, yeah, exactly. What's odd to me is like, why so fast? Like, isn't there? I mean, every, most everybody has a luggage tag on their luggage, right? And you know, contact information. So if it does get lost, why is like what seems like the first thing to do is just throw it in a pile to go to charity? Right. It's don't you don't don't you have like the lost baggage whatever at least holding department whatever you want to call it especially when they already called in too like so there was already like an inquiry happening about you know the bag that was missing and i don't know it just seems rather fast for it to end up in a storage facility to be given to charity yeah so there you go so i guess uh point to this whole story is if you have an apple phone maybe it's not a bad idea to invest in some air tags and throw one in your suitcase because yeah. they would have absolutely never found the suitcase ever. It just it's just weird to me that that they that they got no help from the airport whatsoever because you think it just would have been a standard thing that they said, uh, you know, okay, here's what you know, here's what we do with them. Mm-hmm. Right? Doesn't that think like because you know people at the at the airport or or maybe not even the airport, the airline agency, whatever, or whichever company they flew on says, oh, okay, well, when bags disappear for more than two weeks or they're not claimed, we send them over to our warehouse. You know, you can go look over, you know, but nothing. Huh. Yeah. That's th- weird, man. <clears throat> There's actually another story here too, real quick though. I'll mention it because it's about air tags as well. Then we'll do yours. Okay. I won't get in depth with this one, but the title of this one says a thief steals three uh, $3,000 suitcase. Not The suitcase wasn't $3,000. The contents were dresses up as the owner. So he was impersonating the person that, that owned the suitcase. I did not read this story. I just, I had it in my notes. I wasn't okay. planning on doing it today. But uh, I just want to mention since we were talking about AirTags. But the reason this one made the news is because the thief 
forgot to remove the air tag. It was was in the bag and uh, ended up, they located it. The owners located it, reported the police and they got arrested for uh, stealing $3,000 for the belongings. Classic thief maneuver. Yeah. I actually just recently bought some air tags myself. Okay. So I have them on my keychain. I put one in my camera bag just to have them there. And, you know, just in case I misplace it at a wedding, I can, you know, I can find it. Is is the air tag thing? Is that still? Because I I don't do the I don't do the air tag thing. I don't even own I don't even own an iPhone. I'm an Android user. Is are there tags then for the for the other ma- major phone supplier? Like, is there um? They're coming there, out. Are there yeah. Andro- Are there Android tags? There are. They're called like tiles or something like that. I can't remember what they're smart, called. Smart tag smart devices. Tags, smart uh, tiles. I guess they are. Google plans AirTag clone will track devices with three billion Android phones. Oh, okay. So yes, you're right. It is. It is on the way. Yeah. So all huh. you, uh, all you Android users, you'll have something coming too. You mean those of us who actually use a real phone? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And do these tags too? They they do work as far as like the, the obviously the problem before that we talked about with giving stalkers like this easy way to stalk somebody. Right. Right. Somebody, it's still a thing, but. Apple has like bumped up their their system as far as when when an AirTag is following you, it tells you much sooner now. Oh, okay. So so you stalker alert, right? Yeah, because uh, uh, my wife went down and picked up uh, picked up my daughter and her roommate from school. Uh, okay, a few weeks ago maybe, and or maybe she's taking them back. I don't remember. But anyway, the uh, the her roommate who's in the car on the way down which is like, you know, two hour drive, like halfway there, she got a notification that there's an air tag following her. So it recognized it within like an hour. Oh, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Cause that was, cause I know that was always, that's always the scare, the scare tactic, but that was always the concern, right? Someone just throws it in your bag and then they just follow you around for, you know, however long they follow you around for. Yeah. Cause the air tag is on my keys and my wife was driving, I think she was driving my car. And, uh, oh, and because that was an unknown tag to her device, it's yep. now like this tag has been following you. Yeah, it was either that or it was Carrie's. I can't remember what it was, but anyway, it was somebody's unknown or somebody's tag that was with. It might have been Carrie's. Okay, but her phone recognized it as a as not hers. Got it. And it was it was following her exact you know coordinates. So there interesting. You go. Okay, so that will probably so and so all of us on the Android side of the fence, we can have our own AirTag stories here soon. That's right. And we will be <laughs> and we will be we will be right up there with you iPhone users. Yeah, it'll be old and, news then. Yeah, you'll be like, oh wow, oh. good. You got you got Google tags. Welcome wow, to that's the party. great. <laughs> yeah, we've had those for like twenty years. You know. <laughs> now I, I I think what I think the fret like because you're 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 an iPhone user and I am not. So mm-hmm. I know we will we'll. we'll poke fun at each other's uh phone devices (laughs) now and then but that is okay and and it leads to uh well it just leads to good competition like these uh little tag things it does so all right let's do your last story and then we'll move on to our our history lesson of the day well surprise surprise Uh oh (laughs) uh, right we're talking we're not talking florida Mm -hmm. exactly we're talking pennsylvania now but there is a connection to florida here surprise Right. A Florida, okay. Florida person, maybe a Florida person, perhaps. Okay, so the, right. the, uh, <laughs> the headline reads like this man leads Pennsylvania officers on car chase in stolen school bus with dead deer inside. I saw this article. I didn't read yeah, it. This, though. 
This happened here in Pennsylvania outside of Abbottstown. Where's Abbottstown? It sounds like somewhere like like Philadelphia side. It's probably over that way. Uh, it does not sound familiar to me, so I think you are correct in that it is. If it sounds uh, unfamiliar, it's probably over there. <laughs> yeah, I'm zooming out right now, mm. and it is, oh, it's southern, near the southern border, close to the southern border of Pennsylvania, near the middle. Oh, okay. So, Right. South so near like South state middle. college kind of area. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. South and middle. So here we go. So we got um, police said on Tuesday morning, they received a call about a school bus that had been reported stolen in Abbottstown, Pennsylvania. So later officers spotted this school bus driving through a parking lot of a giant foods and Rite aid and saw the lights on the bus were turning on and off for some reason. Like it's not, it's not super clear why. Yeah, push so buttons. they tried I guess, right? Like probably <laughs> trying to do? figure out how the thing works. Yeah. So they it caught up to the bus and they tried to pull it over, but of course it, it it like did the thing where it stops and then pulls away, right? Like like people who steal vehicles like to do, like that's gonna work, right? Oh yeah, like oh get so him they, to stop his car, then I'll take off. Aha, <laughs> got him again. In yeah. A bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the acceleration in a bus, yeah. man. Better watch your hair. Right. Um, so I guess it continued to wind in and out of traffic lanes, right? And then I guess he exited the highway, drove over a berm, almost flipped the thing. Wow. And then he drove into a nearby neighborhood and then just left it, right? They did, they did the, he did the second thing that people who steal vehicles always do. They eventually just like Get try to like park it. Yeah. They park it real casually. Like, you know, yeah. like yeah. I'll just park it here and then, and then run. Yeah. I mean, you would think from watching YouTube and stuff like that in the news, that doesn't ever tend to work. And also, speaking of not working, for mm -hmm. some reason, he took all of his clothes off while he was running. He was naked? He was caught nude by police, <laughs> according, to the, according to their statement. But why? So, wait, wait. He was running and stripping or stripped and yeah. then ran? No, he was he was running as he was tearing his clothes off. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out like, is he think it's like scent? Like if they had dogs, like oh, would oh, they try to throw him off by leaving his clothes behind? Right. Like may, and maybe if they find his clothes, they they'd be like, Oh well, he's gone. He he got he away because he, he took his clothes off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is bizarre that he would just start he, was this guy like on something? Like bath salts uh, or, or something? Because that it, is it, bizarre it doesn't say specifically and that's not even that's not even the, the end of it what so else happened this is this was the explanation he gave to police oh they did okay so, so he, they got him all right yeah. yeah so they got him and then he i guess he told the police he said he he took the bus after he crashed it says it doesn't say his bmw it just says a bmw and he put a dead he put a dead deer in the back of the bus and because he was going to drive it to his house to use as fertilizer for his garden. This guy was, is either it, totally insane or, or he was on something. Right. Or, or maybe his story, all of those things you just said, or his story is complete BS and he was trying to do something else. I don't think so. That is so you, weird and so obscure I that I feel like that's absolutely true. And the guy is just crazy. Right, like who would make like who would make that those those exactly who would actually make that up, right? It makes no sense. And that's why I think it's the truth. It's just I, I don't know. What a bizarre story. It happened right here in Pennsylvania. Naked man, <laughs> deer in the back of the bus after crashing a BMW, got caught, said he was gonna take the deer to use as fertilizer for his garden. 
this whole story needs to be done in like reenactment form, like for, <laughs> for TV. <laughs> yes. That'd be so hilarious to see that happen. Oh my God. Just seeing him like weaving through traffic in this bus. You say it was a school bus, right? Yeah. It was like a full, <laughs> like a full, full school bus that he's got a dead deer and like, like, I don't know. And, and, and on top of that, why target the school bus? I don't know. I mean, opportunity, I guess. Maybe it was just right Maybe there. Maybe easy to steal, I guess. I guess. But like, so, so they, obviously the, the whole deer thing wasn't even in there. Who cares, right? Like they, 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 they caught him he, or they, you know, chase him down. So they're already getting him for like evading police, uh, grand theft auto. He's running through the streets naked. And then they find like at some point during all of this, this chaos, they're like, what was up with that deer? <laughs> like it was, yeah. it was the last thing on their mind for probably a while. And then he throws out, you know, oh, I was going to throw it in the garden for fertilizer. And, like, and, what, and what are the, what are the police going to be like? Oh yeah, that, that makes, makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Like, yeah. It's, it's funny they even had to put it in there. Like, cause totally it, get that. Yeah. It's just so irrelevant to what actually happened that <laughs> it's just stupid. Yeah. Oh my God. That is, that's funny though. That's a good story. Thank you, Florida, for bringing, bringing one for, for us. Florida man. Yeah, Thank Florida you, Florida man. man. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You brought one yeah. to Pennsylvania for us. <laughs> Still counts as Florida. <laughs> it, it does. We're, we're going to move that one out of Pennsylvania and into the Florida category. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not, you're not putting PA on the map for that one. Mm. Mm-mm. Especially not Abbottstown. That's a good town. Yeah. So, all right. Well, listen, it's a good town, man. They got yeah. good, they got a great sub shop. Um, yeah, delicious. Abbott subs. So, all right. Let's uh, let's jump into our our history lesson, Joe. So, this one, yeah. you're, you're going to take the reins. And I'm just going to kind of chime in and, and ask questions. Absolutely. A- a- ask away. But today we're going to do a little we're going to do a little history lesson and you know try to keep it as interesting. I because I think it's interesting and I'd like our viewers to hear this as well too. The reason why I brought this up today. Mm-hmm. Is because on April seventh, nineteen forty-five, the world's biggest battleship, the Yamato, which is in the Japanese Navy, was sunk by U.S. forces. And I thought it would be nice to cover that because today, of course, the day we're recording this is April seventh, and we're getting—I mean, just as a general statement, you know—I mean, we're getting every year that goes by, we get a little bit further and further removed from from World War II. Right. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's, it, that was what, 70, was it 78 years ago? If my math's right. Yeah. You're, 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 ago. I know you're, and it's to the point where my age, where I'm at now, when I was born, I was closer to the occurrence of World War II the moment I was born than we are now, than I am now. Yeah. That's weird. Thanks, man. And that's, <laughs> I know, right? Like, what is going on here? Right. But, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about this just because this was a big, this was a big deal. I mean, the war had already started to turn by this point. Yeah. But so, wait, so Pearl, okay. So Pearl Harbor was what, 41 or 42? Um, I think it was Pearl Har- 41, maybe? Pearl Harbor it was, like was December uh, of 41, it, I think. It was, um, well, 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 the attack on Pearl Harbor. Let's look at it. It says, it was like Christmas or something like that. Christmas December, Eve. Yeah. December 7th, 1941. 41. Okay. 81 right. years ago. Yeah, so so the so the war had been going on now for a few years at that point. Right. So, but what, saying, yeah, so what makes a Yamato? What makes this story uh so, so what makes this what makes this story interesting is that by this point in the war, so this is 1945, the US has already 
uh, won the Battle of Midway as well, too. So by this point in the war, the United States is winning the Western Front, right? They're winning the War of the Pacific. And the United States has just invaded uh, Okinawa. And the Japanese... Wait, was this during like the when they were taking like like Iwo Jima and like all the islands? Is it, like, during all okay, all right. Yes, because the United States is getting is staging their attack force to attack Japan. Because remember, at this point in time, remember this is all kind of we we have we have histories. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? At this point in time, the United States is essentially taking over the Pacific because they need bases, they need a supply chain. They need to take over the Pacific so they can attack Japan because, I mean, at this point in time, no one knows how long this war is going to go on, right? You, this, you know, as far as anyone's concerned, you know, Japan is going to fight the U.S. for as long as foreseeably possible. Yeah, because I remember they were trying to take, they were trying to take island by island mm-hmm. uh, because it, it, multiple islands, they had, they had defenses and they were trying to stop them uh, so they could get to, to Japan. Right, exactly, because there's no way I mean, this. Everyone, you know, this is so you know normal now, but back then there was no plausible way to get bombers from, say, Hawaii or California, all the way to Japan, and get them back without them running out of fuel. Right. Yeah, they needed a base. Yeah, and they needed a couple base. They needed a bunch of bases. Yeah. So, so the United States steal them. <laughs> yeah. So like those are ours now. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> hey. They, they tried to steal, well, they didn't try to steal Pearl Harbor, but, you know. Well, kind of tried to destroy it. They did, right. I mean, in that's like the what, middle of the night. You know, and it's, what's what's a little bit interesting about that you tidbit is there. son of a bitch. That's pretty much what we did yeah. because there was a contingent of of the Japanese, uh, call it, you know, government or whatever, that was extremely concerned about engaging the United States because they were concerned that what would happen is, well, pretty much exactly what happened. You know, the United States was was not in the war of the Pacific at the time. They weren't they were staying relatively neutral and when Japanese imperialistic intentions, you know, enraged, you know, obviously they attacked Pearl Harbor and brought us into the, you know, significantly brought us into the war. Mm-hmm. You know, that changed everything for Japan. And a lot of J- Japanese generals and stuff were like that was a massive mistake. History again. Right. History's yeah, hindsight. History's hi- yeah, hindsight's 2020, right? Everyone knows that now. But anyway, so getting to getting to this point in the war, the United States has just taken Okinawa and Japan is at least the emperor is refusing to give it up. So on April 5th of 1945, the U.S. actually had all, had pretty much started intercepting like all of Japan's messages. We were intercepting everything. We knew what they were doing, but the emperor ordered essentially the Japanese Navy to attempt to, they call it a special mission. Mm-hmm. And special mission for the Japanese meant, or special attack is what they called it. You're not coming back. Oh, so that's almost like a suicide mission. Yeah. The the emperor was so, I only should call it aggravated or enraged by the U.S. taking Okinawa that he ordered the Japanese Navy, including the Yamato, to uh, enact a special attack on Okinawa. But the U.S. intercepts it on April 5th. 1945. But Mm. what makes the Yamato so special is that it was the biggest and arguably deadliest battleship in the Pacific Ocean. It had nine 18.1 inch guns in triple, you know, in triple turret configurations. 
it carried approximately 1,629 uh, of those, of the, or sorry, 1,170 of those shells. So think about that, 1,170 shells for 18-inch guns, which were the biggest in the those Pacific. Those are huge. If, yeah, it's massive. Like, that would put, that would put a hole in a, well, uh, in anything. In anything, yeah. Like, in a cruiser, any boat that got hit by something like that, it's going to have a big hole in it. It's probably going to yeah. sink. Like that's, yeah. that's, and it's got over a thousand of them. That's it's, a lot. It, it's a lot of shells, and that's a huge gun. And then on top of that, it had it had six six point one inch guns in in triple configurations. So not only is it bombarding ships with its big stuff, right? But it can bombard ships with its smaller guns. And <laughs> smaller course, in quotes. <laughs> Still yeah, right. Six inch round. <laughs> that's huge. <laughs> I, I'm not standing in front of that, right? No. And it carried a ton of air anti. It carried tens of thousands of anti-aircraft shells, you know, millions of rounds of machine guns thing. It would, this thing was armed to the teeth. And the, the emperor says, we need, you know, you're, you're going to take, you're going to make a special attack on Okinawa. You're probably not coming back. So the United States intercepts that early. So they find out about it. Right. And this is, this is, this is a big deal because the Yamato never makes it. It never makes it to Okinawa. Yeah. And uh, one thing I want to note too is that you're mentioning how big the ship was. It was massive. Yeah. Massive in comparison to what to what the US had because we had limitations on how big we could make our ships. Because But they the uh sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, say cuz like we had to keep them within a certain size because they had to be able to go go through the Panama Canal. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't yep, make we, them ginormous. No, so, and Japan basically built them as far as I know. They just built them right like they're against like, the ocean. Yeah, and they could just roll them in as big as they wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so yeah, it was like it was like David versus Goliath. I mean, this thing is right. Of course, being being Goliath does have its does have its drawbacks, oh, of yeah. course, too. Slower. Yep. So what so uh, keep going with the story though. Yeah. So I'll I'll skip some of like the preparation and things like that, right? There's a lot of there's it also we'll send out a link to all this, right? But there's like a lot of prep work. Japanese got got they got a fleet ready, right? They took eight destroyers with them. They took a couple cruisers with them, light cruisers. They, they, they took like a, essentially a fleet with them. Mm -hmm. But of course the Yamato is the big deal, right? So what happens is the United States intercepts this, right? And they already, they deployed submarines early, right? So the United States knows like everything that's already going on. And, but they told the, they told the submarines, you're going to just report, just report the position, right? Oh, yeah, don't find engage. it. Okay. Don't engage, right? Find it. Just track it, right? And so they they do that, right? Uh, it, they they find it on the way in, and they they start tracking it, right? They're, you know, this is it's not that hard to track once you find something as big as the Yamato. Yeah, yeah, it's big. Yeah. So the United. So on daybreak of April seventh, nineteen forty-five, uh, the Yamato is only able to field six, literally just six fighters to provide combat air patrol over the Yamato. Because by this point in the war, you have to, after Japan was, has been, that Japan at this point has been losing battle after battle. You know, they lost midway. Their forces um, are, are decimated. So they put six fighters up in the air and approximately, we'll call it about eight in the morning, a, a battleship from the, the United States, the Essex, is able to find the Yamato, right? So now the forces are, now they're squaring off, right? Mm, okay. They, they, now, they now know where each other are. 
at one, or what, what do you call it, 10, 100 hours. Um, it's my background music. Go ahead. Oh, yes. There you go. <laughs> task task group 58.1 and task group 58.3 commence a 280 plane strike wave. I mean, you've got to imagine, like, you, you think about strikes today. Like, you, you know, do you talk about the way that, that the battles are waged today? You know, the U.S. might launch, like, you know, 16 F-15s or a handful of F-22s mm -hmm. or, right? This was a 280-plane attack wave. Wow. To destroy the Yamato, right? Like, so the Yamato is, like, this important to the like, United States Navy. Send everybody. <laughs> yeah. They have 132 fighters, 50 bombers, and 98 torpedo planes. I mean, that's just... And, and they're going up against a Japanese Navy that is like, that is basically the Yamato and a handful, yeah, handful of cruisers. And, and they're, they're just sending, sending everything. They're like, <laughs> they're getting the, they're getting the janitor, you know, for right. the, for the, right. They're getting everybody, right. It doesn't matter what you're there to do. It doesn't matter if you're a private, you're in a plane and you're flying, <laughs> it's right. Like, it's like an independence day when they're getting everybody that, like, who knows, Armors. To, yeah, who knows how to fly a plane. It's like, I can fly, yeah. sir. <laughs> Like, good, you're flying. It, it it didn't matter. They sent they sent everything they they could at it. So the first attack at 1014, there's there's some hits, right? It's not a big deal yet, right? It's it's there, there's some engagement, there's some minor engagement, but they're they're kind of staying away from the anti-aircraft. The United States is staying away from the anti-aircraft shells. Just kind of get a feeling mm -hmm. for what the Yamato can and can't do. At twelve, sorry, at twelve thirty-two, lookouts on the Yamato sighted the fir that first incoming strike wave. Because remember, in naval warfare too, one of the biggest, one of the most difficult things is literally finding each other. So it's not like today where you know we have advanced radars and planning and GPS, and GPS and satellites, yeah. right? Find two navies finding each other in War Two in World War Two was oftentimes an accident. Uh, so at twelve thirty-four, the Yamato attempts to fight back, and. 1237, the U.S. commences its first attack run, strafing rockets, bombs, torpedoes. But they didn't, the, the, the Japanese counterattack was not accurate, I mean, at least according to the description here. Like the Japanese opened up with, with like everything the Yamato had. Because I mean, if you remember back from the beginning, they have anti-aircraft guns all over this thing. They're mm -hmm. carrying tens of thousands of anti-aircraft shells. And the, um, the Yamato was hit. There's a bunch of near misses, right? And they're all around. But then finally, so during at some port portion of the battle after 1237, she's hit by two 1,000-pound armor-piercing bombs. I guess it says at 1240. And this is this is a little unfortunate. We're going to describe some things in here that happen, right? So if you're, you know, if anyone's a little, don't want to hear about this stuff, skip this part if you're a little squeamish. But one bomb exploded in the crew quarters. Oh, God. But the other, I know, right? But the other bomb exploded near the aft command station and knocked out one of the two air search radars. So now the Yamato doesn't have as, you know, it's one of its radars is out. The aft secondary gun director and several 25 millimeter gun mounts and started a fire that killed all but one crewman in the, in the, in the secondary gun turret. So... So now this thing is significantly damaged. This is like the first major damage that the Yamato has ever taken in the war. Like this thing has been, essentially the Yamato has has been in skirmishes and mm -hmm. it's never been significantly damaged. These two and thousand pound bombs are the first significant damage that the Yamato has ever taken. And it was, and it was significant. Like they, 
lost, they lost guns, they lost crew. Then there's this infamous picture that you can actually find online now of the Yamato basically doing this zigzag pattern. And the United States drops three, they have torpedo bombers essentially, right? Three torpedoes went into the water. The Yamato actually avoided two of them. Remember, this thing is huge. The Yamato steers around two of them, but the third one hits at 1245. And so she takes on, at 12.45, the Yamato pulls in 2,235 tons of water and starts listing to its side. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that they did with ships back then, and I think they still do today, I don't think this is, I don't think it's a technology that's gone, but what they do is they'll open up, you know, they'll open up compartments on the other side of the ship to correct, to correct the spillover, right? So if the ship is starting to spill over one direction, they'll fix it. Yeah, they'll let water in on the other side to fix it. Is there people in those other departments? Well, unfortunately, the answer to that is yes. Oh, God. And they did it so fast. Again, if this is something you guys don't want to hear about, you know, you want to skip to the end. But they did it so fast that a lot of the, a lot of the Yamato crew members were killed when they opened up the other compartments to fix the listing. Wow. Man. Yeah. So the, I know. So, I mean, this is like, this is like at this point, this is kind of like eerily similar to like kind of like the Titanic getting like scraped along the side and right. starting to list, right? But I mean, this this thing was this thing was built in a way though that was much better, right? So they had ways to correct the problem. She's made out of iron. Yeah, well, and this thing even had arm. This thing even had had armored, had up armored, whatever you want to call it, side, whatever the sides of a ship are called. Yeah, side. Is the sides right? <laughs> so later in the day, she takes a torpedo hit to the engine room that kills the entire engine room crew and essentially dead in the water. So finally, by 1246, the United States has sent so much, so many bombs, rockets, torpedoes of this thing that finally hit the engine room and it cut, just comes to a halt. So it's just dead in the water now. It's just dead in the water now. And you can imagine, like, th this is the Yamada, right? The United States has been, I don't know, I don't call it hunting, but, but it's battling this thing for a good portion of World War II, and now it's dead in the water. Did they put up like a white flag? Did they surrender, or did they just like what happened next? So the United States continued. The, the Yamato did. Here's the amazing thing about the Yamato, though: the Yamato still at this point is not sinking. Think about that for a second. It's been bombed. It's been torpedoed. Uh -huh. It has fire raging on the deck, and it's still firing. It's it it's still it has still had its main battery. And a couple other things. So it's still fighting at this point. Hell diver, what they call hell divers, are bombing the bridge. They're they're bombing. You know, they're they're getting hit by anti aircraft fire, but mm -hmm. they're not losing many. Like the United States is clearly winning this at this point. Another 110 aircraft are launched by the United States from the Yorktown Intrepid and Langley at 13:33. Three more torpedoes hit, and the Yamato takes on 3,000 more tons of water, and now it's listing seven degrees. Okay, so this thing's just taking a beating. It's just, at this point, it's just, I don't know what you want to call it, right? It's just destruction, right? They're just destroying the thing because they haven't surrendered yet. To the question you asked earlier, they haven't surrendered yet. They keep firing back at the United States, right? And this was, I mean, this was a suicide mission, essentially. So I think the Japanese Navy kind of figured like, you know, we're going to fight till the end. Right. You know, that's, it's the only way I can kind of describe this, right. Is that they, they, they pretty much knew that like this was going to be the end for a lot of them. So finally, after three more torpedo 
bomb hits at 1402, the, uh, the captain of the Yamato gives the abandoned ship order. And in, in the rules of war, and even now, that's basically the end of the fight, right. essentially. Like, okay, they're leaving. It's over. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and, and, in, and I didn't bring it up, but in the meantime, the United States has also been bombing and destroying the rest of the, the fleet that was there. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah because they're not just they're sitting around watching. They're, they're probably also attacking. Yep. Exactly. So when all was said and done, the United States obviously comes out of this the clear, you know, the clear victor. Although accounts vary by how many crewmen were on the Yamato, the most definitive appears to be a, somewhere between 3,055 and 3,032 people were lost. Damn. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was not a pretty sight. It was not a good thing for the Japanese Navy at this time. This was, you know, a clear and obvious defeat, which arguably the emperor probably knew was going to happen, sending them to basically sending them to die anyway. Right. But this, I mean, and, and then later, of course, the Japanese are allowed to bring other destroyers that are, that are, that are actively acting as survivor rescuers right and the united states didn't bomb those there's there's a, there are some well that's very kind of them right i mean and that and those yeah. were the rules of yeah. once a ship once a fleet surrendered you know the the losing side right not not that anything in war is actually fair you know yeah. good or yeah. win or you know what i'm saying but the the losing side is allowed to come get their stranded sailors right well, so anyway you, you don't really expect the same courtesy right and, 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 you know, actually it says right in here, the United States picked up many of the Japanese sailors themselves too. Oh, well, there you go. So when all was said and done, 4,242 approximately Japanese sailor, sailors pretty much just gave their lives for the emperor's order on April 7th. The Yamato was still 300 nautical miles from its target when it sunk. And the United States pretty much, that, that was pretty much the end of the Japanese Navy which, I mean, everyone who knows history now knows how the rest of the war went. But that was pretty much the end of the Japanese Navy and the end of the Yamato. Well, well, there you go. I, that, that's a good, good history lesson today, Joe. Well, I hope, um, I hope you enjoyed it. I did. And, it was you know, fascinating. I think that you know, if there's other big events, you know, we'll, you know, we'll review those as well, too, sometime in the future. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was pretty good, man. I, I didn't, like, I... When you sent me the uh, the idea, I'm like, I don't even remember like the story of the Yamato, and it, I like I said, I did a little bit of research, and yeah, it some of the stuff was coming back as far as like the battle, but uh, yeah, very interesting, good good call on that. I like that. Yeah, like I said, if we find more interesting tidbits like this day in history, so yes, April seventh, well, yeah, April seventh, nineteen forty five. That's why I brought this up today because I think it's important to remember. Is the further and further we get from World War II, the more divorced we're going to be from it, right? Because yeah. I mean, think about think about how far we are from World War One nowadays. World War One was over a hundred years ago, and even though you know it might be in a few video games and people may talk about it from time to time, it's divorced from the reality of a lot of things we talk about today. And World War II is slowly moving in that direction. So that's why I kind of like to bring this up as a reminder of things that you know happened on April 7th, you know, 1945. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so there you go. There you go. I don't know what else to say about that. Like, uh, oh. I, I, don't know how, I don't know how to end the show on a good note. Right, yeah. How, <laughs> how do you cap that, right? right I know. <laughs> right. Well, I'll just say this. I hope you enjoyed the history lesson today. 
We might bring you some more in the future and uh, stay tuned. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you uh, for checking us out again and we'll see you next Monday. Talk to you next time. <laughs>